Hi everyone, welcome to episode 3 of Full Impact. Today we are covering the episode titled The Phone That Doesn't Ring, aka a Transfer. I'm your host Nick and with me as always, my favorite Jeopardy enthusiast, Allison. That's me, hello everyone. <laughs> See, I just switched it up, not an adjective this time. That's okay, I don't, I don't mind the switch up. So, in case anyone's confused yet, this is episode three of a Neon Genesis Evangelion rewatch podcast. So if you haven't been watching the episodes with us, start doing that. And if you haven't listened to our episodes before this one, go back and do that. Otherwise, you won't know what's going on. Plus, but, it's a heck of a good time to listen to. I, I've listened to them, so I, 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 rec- I highly recommend them. <laughs> All right, well, let's hop into it, shall we? Right on. All right, so right off the bat, we got Shinji and the uh, entry plug doing like uh, training simulations. Um, you know, not a lot to go off of, other than you know they're making him memorize some important places and stuff like uh, Ava dispatch points, emergency ordnance structures, and recovery points. Hmm. Um, and he's got kind of a, he's running in like a, a simulation thing. It reminds me of uh, that place in X-Men. I'm not sure if it's the second one or the third one. Did you watch those? Uh, yeah, but I don't know that I've seen. Is it the place that um, uh, he can go and see everybody? It's Ever? like, it's like they're doing this mission. It's like Wolverine and colossus and stuff and they're like simulating this giant robot fight and then but they're all just like actually in this room and they just like wolverine you know takes it down by himself and then like a badass and just like you know he's like oh class is over type thing it's <laughs> <laughs> a blame tagline <laughs> anyways that's the sort of thing he's in um and he's just going through you know how to attack an angel and they're having him, you know, he's just like robotically repeating this phrase, center on target, pull the trigger. And yeah, I want, I wanted to comment on that. Like, um, I don't know. It seems to me, and I, I guess this is something I wanted to ask you. Like he seems kind of almost robotic about this. That's you know? exactly like, what I wrote. I wrote robotic comma emotionless. <laughs> yes. Like after everything that's happened and so quickly, like not a lot. I, I, we don't, uh, do we know how much time has elapsed since his first go in the Ava and now? Um, yes. Later on in this episode, it says it's been three weeks since, um, the gotcha. first, the last angel attack. But even still, that's not a whole lot of time. And you would think that either it, it just, it just seems to me like he's become very like emotionless about this very giant task he has, you know, like, and is it, that when I was watching that scene, that's what I was thinking of. Like the, like the look on his face and like all the things that are happening, the commands that they're giving him, it's all really robotic. Yeah. I mean, almost like, I don't know. Like, he's just like, I don't know. Like he's not really there, you know, this is like a whole new life. Right. But he doesn't seem to be like in the moment, like actually present. Right. Or engaged in it or look like he's having any kind of like, 
yeah, like any any connection to it at all. It just seems like very clinical and and it's a little bit different than what it was before. Like before he was just kind of like, I don't really know what to do. And now it's like he's almost like given up. I'm just going to just do what they tell me, you know? Yeah, yeah. like he's, his heart's not into not in right. it. He's just doing it because they're telling him to. And that's exactly what, you know, Ritsko says, you know, he's the kind of person that does whatever he's told and that it makes life easier for him. Right. Is that so? I mean, I guess this is kind of a a question to think about, too. Like, is that the type of person that you need to have to pilot one of these? Or is that an advantage or a disadvantage? I guess is something to think about, you know, because and I I suppose we'll see that as Shinji develops, too. But, you know, it's it's a lot. It's a lot. (laughs) I mean, I I suppose it's has its pros. I mean, you want that's kind of reminiscent of like a soldier type, you know, got to do your orders, but you need to have your own ability to like if you don't have motivation to get the job done then that's a problem too right you have so have to have some sort of drive for it or like you know passion for it and it just he just doesn't have that it's more of like a survival instinct for him yeah um so yeah there's not much else in this scene other than i mean when ritsuko says that about shinji you can see me sad on the background and she does not look happy at all Mm-mm. <laughs> Yeah, do you think it's that she's disapproving of what's going on or she's concerned about him or doesn't like what Ritsko's saying? I think it's all of those things. I think that she's frustrated with this with this whole thing in general. And I, I think she doesn't really know what to expect from Shinji at this point. Like, is he ready to do this? Like, is he going to live up to all these expectations? And at the same time, can he do all of this? Like mentally, is he able to like carry this out? And I and I think she's got a lot of doubts. And and her and her and lab coat. Sorry, Risco <laughs> tend to like they they have a def, a different way of looking at things for sure. And I think that that's always going to be a struggle. And the way they look at Shinji is totally different. Like I I wrote in my notes that that lab coat seems to have a lot of disdain for Shinji. You know, almost like he's not important to to what you know he's important but like to her it's almost like she doesn't have any respect for him yeah, at all like he's just you know? a means to an end right right whereas misato seems to really care about him you know the whole wanting him to move in with her and didn't want not wanting him to be alone i think you know it's, they conflict about that and and i think that just the way they live their lives is obvious that they're very different but you know i think this just makes the rift even bigger so i think she shoots a lot of shade at lab coat for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. And I think that's something that'll come up in multiple times later on in the series is a like significant disagreement between Musada and Ritsuko on how they're handling Shinji's situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but after that, we get the uh, Japanese title card and then we're in Musada's apartment and you can see that Shinji has painstakingly cleaned that thing. Yeah. <laughs> Quite a difference. It a noticeable difference. <laughs> yes. So it is super clean. Can't even recognize it anymore. Whole different place. Well, considering Shinji was the only one on the chore list, it's kind of not surprising that that's all done, right? <laughs> that's true. Um, but Misato is sleeping in. I guess she got had a, just got back from a long shift. Um, and she just asks Shinji to take out the uh, burnable garbage, which I looked up because obviously we don't have burnable garbage here in 
the U.S., but in Japan, I guess they have a much more organized system of eliminating waste. Like, there's a lot of bins. It's not just, like, garbage and general recyclables. They have a bunch of them. Um, but in case you're interested, uh, burnable garbage or trash would include paper wastes like toilet paper and diapers, plastic bags, wrappers, rubber, leather, uh, leather tube, and other plastic containers like toothpaste and cooking oil containers. Really? Huh. I wonder if it, it, that that doesn't cause air problems? Uh, I don't uh, know. I don't know. I'm I'm glad that I I will say, though, I am very glad that you did look that up because it is it was kind of like, wait, burnable garbage. (laughs) What are we talking about here? (laughs) Um, But, yeah, no, I mean, and and I'm sure that, you know, they have some sort of system. You have to. I mean, they have so many more people that are living there than we do. Yeah. Very limited space. The different ones, they come different in different periods. Like uh, this website that I found this information on. Um, it says that like the burnable garbage is like picked up twice a week, whereas non burnable is like twice a month. Mm. Hmm. But what is interesting, at least to notice for in for the show's sake, is that when he does take out the garbage, there's no other garbage in any of the receptacles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And again, I I think that's that alone, you know, that solo type of visual that that seems to be a theme throughout the last few episodes is like that stark contrast of like city living versus there's really no one there but shinji and and yeah uh, yeah and we were wondering before you know what the like population density of the city is and i mean i guess it's really starting to show that it's becoming scarce especially after the last angel attack Mm -hmm. yes uh, but after that, we get a little phone call between Misato and Ritsuko, and they talk about um, the hedgehog dilemma, which <laughs> I'm, I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure that's not a real thing, at least in the sense that hedgehogs, um, when it hurts themselves like that, I know that their spines, like, Retract when, when, they're, when they're relaxed, they, like, all go in the right same direction and so mm. it like won't hurt them but if they're in defensive mode they like crisscross a little bit and that's what gets like you what hurt you if you tried to touch them sure um, but i mean the well whether true or itself, not yeah, yeah. <laughs> whether whether it's true in nature or not it's it's an interesting concept and it's one that you know i think is is true for anyone you know i mean you you risk getting hurt in any relationship that you have and everyone can relate to that and i thought that i thought the hedgehog dilemma was pretty funny like not funny but like under like if you're going to teach you know, people in a way that's that they can understand there's a good one. It reminds me of like, you know, the spikes that come up when you try to drive somewhere you're not supposed to. And then like they let you in and they go down into the ground. That's kind of what I thought of like the hedgehogs doing. Mm, I got you. <laughs> like other spikes just kind of fold I'm down going. and they can like <laughs> nuzzle together. But, you know, I it, it is w- whether it's literal or not, it, it kind of gives a good foreshadowing of of some of the relationships or, and, and also to kind of describe some of the relationships that we've seen, like with Shinji and his dad, um, you know, how, how maybe that's factoring into things. Yeah. But Hey, if there are any hedgehog enthusiasts listening, please email us at full impact podcast 
at gmail.com and let us know if this is a real thing with hedgehogs because I'm genuinely curious. And also if you have pictures and or videos of hedgehogs doing funny things, I'm also into that stuff. (laughs) Anything involving hedgehogs. (laughs) Exactly. If it's set to music in a TikTok video, I'm all over it. (laughs) If it's a little hedgehog dancing in the bath, you know, send it. (laughs) A hedgehog washing its hands. I'll watch it. Um, We get... This quick scene or shot um, while of Ritsuko's location, um, and it's she's got one, two little figurines of cats and a overstuffed cigarette uh, thing. What are those called? Ashtray. Ashtray. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess there's not a whole lot to say, but I mean, I guess you could infer that Ritsuko is either very stressed or is working a whole lot. I mean, that thing is stuffed with cigarettes. <laughs> yes, it sure is. And they all have lipstick rings around all of them, which I thought was kind of funny. But I think also to drive home the point that they're all hers. And sure. yes, it, it might be that she is uh, overworked. It could be that she's worried about something. Um, I I tend to hone in on the cats. I thought they were really cute. And that one was black and white. I thought that was a nice little touch. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, the cats are important. Remember that cats yes. and Ritsko. Note it. Put it in your notes. Think about Note it. it. In Share the vault. Thoughts. Yeah. Um, and they say how it's been two weeks, and you know he's basically has no friends. No one calls his phone. You know, and they're worried about him, or at least me sad it was. Yeah, this is this is also the first time we've. Um, uh, heard about school for Shinji. Um, you know, in the beginning, it wasn't really clear, but they do, you know, mention that that he started school and like, so we don't really know what that entails yet. Um, but yeah, they're concerned and it's understandable. I mean, if for anyone um, who's ever started at a new school, I mean, I remember I, I had to switch schools and it's, it's a scary thing. And, you know, people have their friend groups and, you know, everybody's established and here you are coming in this kid that nobody knows, you know, with a very shady if not totally hidden backstory it's got to be difficult for him yeah um one thing that's kind of unrelated um while they're talking uh we get a scene i'm looking mine time stamp is 448 and it's a shot of risco at a desk um kind of pan outside the window and i'm wondering do you think that this is her apartment or she at work here because if it's her apartment then this is the only shot we ever get of her living situation i i think it might be because yeah but then again we haven't seen her in any other setting than the lab but i doubt in any scenario she well back then you could because it didn't look very labby to me no it didn't it didn't. But then again, I mean, people sometimes have things on their desks that are representative of them, you know. But then again, I don't think at that point she would have been able to smoke at the lab. I think that was maybe to imply that she was home. Yeah. But she Very, was doing what she wanted. In which case, there is not a lot there. It's just like the desk. <laughs> and yeah. It's incredibly minimalistic. <laughs> mm-hmm. But. 
But I guess that, you know, that could just goes back to the fact a lot like, you know, with Miss M, her place is just a pig pen, you know, because she just she works all the time. She doesn't have time to clean up. She just doesn't care. Whereas maybe lab coat, the implication is like she just lives a very minimalistic life because she is always working. And that's where her focus is. That's where her drive is. That's, you know, so why, why, why would she need a really like comfortable home when she's never there? That's true. But just to further drive it home with Ritsko, two things to definitely remember with her are cats and also lipstick that she always wears lipstick. Yep. Yep. So then we get a little shot. We are introduced to Shinji's classroom. You know, we get all the normal kids. Um, he sees Ray sitting by herself, looking at the window, all bandaged up <laughs> as per usual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then Let's see what we got here. We get introduced to a couple other characters. Um, yes, new character alert, new character alert. <laughs> uh, firstly, we get Kensuke Aida. He's the one who is playing with the model, like, airplane helicopter thing and making noises for it. <laughs> or, as I call him, glasses. For glasses. Glasses, a.k.a. Kensuke Aida. Got it. Uh, and then... After that, immediately we get introduced also to class rep. Um, her name is Hikari Haraki. But, I mean, you can just call her class rep because that's what everybody else does. Yeah, and, and class rep doesn't seem like she takes a whole lot of guff from anybody. She's Mm-mm. She seems like she is <laughs> very, very, takes her job as class rep very seriously. Mm-hmm. She's laying down the law. Yes, yes. <laughs> It's funny, too, that they have, like, the uniforms. I don't know, like, you know, I went to a Catholic school, so we had uniforms like that, too. I mean, they were plaid, but, you know, and everyone used to, yeah, I know. But at the, there was an, an upside. Like, you never had to worry about what you were going to wear to school. Like, it was already planned out. <laughs> it was like, oh, what outfit am I going to wear today? Nope, same one. Everybody's got the same one. So there are definitely pros and cons, but it, it kind of reminded me of when I, I wore a uniform a long, long time ago. I like I like their uniforms. I think they look pretty nice. Yeah, they're not bad. They're not bad. Uh, so, yeah, class rep is um, asking Kensuke about um, work that she wants him to bring to another classmate uh, that she refers to as Suzuhara. Um, she asks him, like, aren't you worried about him? Because he's been uh, out of school for two weeks, um, which is... Then they start talking about the incident because that's how long it's been since the last angel attack. And it's noted that the TV said that no one got hurt. And Kensuke basically um, disagrees with that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I guess it goes back to two. And and we know a lot more information than the kids do at this point. But, you know, we know that they are pushing out an agenda of misinformation. (laughs) Uh, you know, they talked about it in the Rubik's Cube meeting. And uh, so, yeah, so we, we obviously we know the intent, but they don't. And you can't have seen what happened and not assumed that someone or something got injured or damaged and in, in all of that. I mean, yeah, it was it was a pretty significant battle. But between- I mean, did you see the giant green explosion <laughs> cross in the sky? <laughs> that wasn't Darien Lake's laser light show. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, sir. No, this is a little bit different. So, yeah, I mean, it, and, it, and it goes to show you that it, and that just just like it is today. What what do we believe about things that have happened? Even even when we see things for ourselves, what are we going to what is the, the outside source going to tell us? And that's kind of where they're at. They don't really believe what's happening, but that's what they're being told. Yeah. So, you know, speak of the devil, um, the classmate they're referring to, uh, Toji Suzuhara, shows up. Tracksuit. Tracksuit. And they just do a little chit-chat about how a lot of their class has transferred out. And, you know, that people are leaving the city and whatnot from, you know, fear of their lives being lost. Um, and we revealed that Toji's little sister got injured in the angel fight, and that's why he's been out of class for the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, in fact, there are casualties and there are um, injured parties in this whole thing. So it's kind of like now we know for real that, that this is something that did affect, you know, just everyday people. Yeah. And I mean, I think Kensuke infers that there had to be at least 20 casualties. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I don't think that's unreasonable to assume. No, not at all. Not at all. I would I would almost believe it'd be an underestimation, although they do they do alert the city to evacuate, don't they? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, there's uh, there's that. But then there's always going to be people that don't or that did get out at time in time or that couldn't for whatever reason. Um, But at the like we said, the the amount of damage that was done, someone or something had to had to be harmed. Yeah. And and then that kind of transitions to Shinji because he is the new kid. And which is bizarre since everyone's leaving. So and there's one kid that just pops up right after the angel battle. Um, and Toji, he talks about his sister a little bit more and says that, you know, his dad and his uncle are busy working. And so when he's at school, um, she's all alone at the hospital. Um, and which is I think, really sad. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, and additionally, there's no no mention of uh, his mother at all, just father and uncle. Correct. Which is, you know, why is that? Right. Interesting. Um, and then the, the teacher comes in, and uh, I think this is a little splitting off point because we have what we're being shown on screen, and then we have the teacher's dialogue. And the teacher in the background, if you're not – listening well he dumps a load of information on you i i i have to interject here because i made a note of this too like i think it's so funny that um in in these scenes it there's it's just like in real life like these kids are just sitting there like really not paying attention to what this guy is saying you know they're all kind of like gossipy and you know whatever and shinji's just kind of sitting there you don't really know if he's paying attention but there is a lot of information being dumped on these kids and they're not paying an ounce of attention to it and if they were they would learn a lot and if you're not if you're trying to just pay attention to the visuals you're gonna miss what he says i mean that there are subtitles but what he's talking about is very important wouldn't you agree absolutely um and but yeah i think i mean this was not long ago I mean, but these kids are so disinterested in it, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Um, but to recap what the teacher does say, he says that in the year 2000, which was uh, 15 years ago, a meteor hit um, the South Pole on and melted Antarctica, essentially, shifting the axis of the Earth causing rising sea levels, abnormal weather, um, as well as the complete annihilation of half of humanity and species <laughs> as well. And they refer to that event as the second impact. Hmm. Yes. So I believe this is the first time we've heard that phrase. Yes. Yes, definitely. it is. It is. And it's yeah. an important phrase to remember. And um, and going back to like the kids reaction to all this, like hearing this in the background, it's like, you know, when I was in school, like hearing about like World War Two, like, oh, yeah, it, what, it, it, but it changed. It changed the shape of the world. It changed politics. It changed a lot of things. And this is the same for these kids. I mean, half the population species gone. I mean, that's a huge, huge event to have happened and like something that they should want to know more about. But again, it goes back to these are 14 year old kids. Now I have a question. So at at first I thought, now this isn't like a school for Ava pilots. This is just a random like public school, right? Or is this a nerve run school, nerf run school or, or what? Uh, this is just as regular school. Okay, yeah. So it's it's not like it, there are any of the other students are like training or anything. This is just like a regular public school that he's going to, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, as far as we know, it's just Shinji and Ray that are involved with Nerf. Um, Got it. Although assumptions can be made that much like a town that hosts a very large like manufacturing plant uh, that probably most of their families works for nerf in some capacity and Got it. there's not really a lot of other reasons why families like this would stay in a city you know especially with the dangers going on yep um got it the teacher also talks about um economic collapse ethnic conflicts and civil wars um following the second impact and but he does say that you know in the 15 years since it's been uh, that humanity has bounced back, which is pretty crazy because that's not really a long time for, you know, civilization to bounce back after such a catastrophic event. You wouldn't think so. I mean, you know, I, I, half is half. That's that's crazy to think of. But then again, you, you we don't know what the implications of losing, you know, maybe that would reverse a lot of the effects that that we've been having on the earth. You, you, we don't know. Um, but I just I just think it's it's a huge 15 years just doesn't seem like long enough. Yeah, like a long enough time for economies to recover for, you know, I, it just and, and if things were destroyed, like to build those things back up. But then again, you know, I guess maybe it's it's making the point that humanity is resilient and, and we find a way to come back from devastation and maybe, you know, that hopeful message. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, what the Black Plague killed, like what, one third of Europe or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the effects of it were lasted a long time. Correct. And then, um, you know little Avengers spoiler alert. So if you haven't watched <laughs> Avengers, you know, s- skip a couple minutes. But I mean, I wondered when we were going to get to the comparison. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the Thanos kills half of the population. And I think we only see the Avengers like what a few years after that event. And I mean, the world has like practically come to a standstill. Mm-hmm. 
they're not really recovering much at all. Right. And when, when Thanos talks about when he had done it on other planets, that they thrived after that because they finally had more land and more food and, and you know, this, this picturesque way of looking at a, a total annihilation. Um, but I guess, you know, there, there could be some benefits, not that any kind of natural disaster is good. There are all rip, always ripple effects, both positive and negative from any kind of catastrophic event like that. Um, and like, especially with what we're going through now, you want to believe in like humanity bouncing back and, and things do get better. And, and maybe that's kind of the message that they're trying to send here. Maybe. Um, but in the foreground of the show right now, we have, they have these like little, like, they're like AOL instant messenger laptops. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so the classmates are talking to Shinji, asking him if he is a pilot and he responds, yes. Why do you think he said Yes. Because uh, I don't think he has it in him not to just be truthful. <laughs> um, I, I think he's too naive to be like, no, I'm not. Um, I think maybe he thinks twice about that after <laughs> he tells him the truth. Um, but I think initially the reason why he's upfront about it. Well, number one, nobody's told him to hide it. Right. I mean, it's not I mean, as far as we know, as no. far as we know. I mean, it's not but, like the secret mission. I mean, when he was introduced to. The Ava, you know, Ritsuko says, you know, you won't find this in the little, like, pamphlet that he was given. So, but I mean, obviously, um, Ray doesn't get, you know, this kind of attention. No one pays any attention to her. And she's, you know, a pilot, too. So I wonder if, you know, they had, what makes me wonder if they had ever asked her or if they, if they had, if she just, you know, denied it and they you went on about their business or she owned up to it and they know what they're capable of and shunned her. (laughs) It (laughs) could be, it could be either way, you know, like, um, but I think Shinji initially saying yes is, is just because I don't think he has it in him to lie about it or to think about what the ramifications of others knowing about it is in the, in the immediate future. (laughs) Do you think that it is it could be a, you know, Hail Mary shot at getting some popularity and maybe getting a couple of friends? That's very possible. I hadn't taken that into account, but I absolutely I mean, you know, it, despite what it does, it's a pretty awesome thing to be doing, especially at that age, you know, to be able to tell anybody, you know, hey, I'm, I'm a pilot of this giant robot. Like, you know, anybody's going to want to, you know, flock to that guy. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, that, that could be, I guess, <clears throat> up until this point, just because of, of what we know of Shinji and his his kind of meekish type uh, demeanor. I think it's just, yeah, yeah, I am like no big, you know, I don't think it was an intentional thing, although you bring up a good point. I don't know. I don't know. Listeners, email us. Let us know what you think. Yeah. Um, So as he's getting all the attention from everybody else, uh, Kensuke, a.k.a. Glasses, he is diligently taking notes on his laptop about what Shinji is saying. In regards to the Ava. And in the background, Toji remains seated in a very grumpy looking 
position. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we cut to Shinji getting punched by Toji because he wanted revenge because his sister got hurt. Yep. Um, which is pretty straightforward. But then as Toji's walking away, Shinji says that he doesn't even want to pilot the Ava. Um, do you think that he... <laughs> What do you think his reasoning was for saying that? You do think he was trying to, like, he's a glutton for punishment, and he wanted he f- wanted to be further punished, or do you think that he like was genuinely trying to appeal to him? I I think he was genuinely tra- trying to appeal to him, and and I think he wanted to kind of say, listen, dude, it, it, you know, with empathy for him, and knowing what's happened to his sister, right? Does he know that yet? Uh, I mean. Or he finds that out when he gets punched in the face. <laughs> I think he finds out when he gets punched in the face, unless he was eavesdropping earlier. <laughs> um, well, if, punch or no punch, I think after it happens and, and once he realizes, and I think this is Shinji's conflict from the beginning, in order to save the greater good, there is going to be some collateral damage there. And so he's trying to weigh in his mind what what the right thing to do is. And I think this is a scenario where, you know, he did save the greater good, but someone was hurt in, in that process. And that, like, you know, empathetic part of Shinji you know, feels bad about that. And so I think maybe telling Tracksuit that, listen, dude, I didn't ask for this. This was just put on me. And this, you know, so it, I didn't intentionally go out trying to destroy anything. This is just my cross to bear, pun intended. So, you know, I, I think that's that's the reason why. And I think, you know, he's he's trying to he needs friends. And these guys seem I mean, even though he punched him in the face, it's the only like interaction he's really had with anyone. So maybe he's just trying to get him on his side, you know, because he needs allies. Yeah. Well, that was a failed attempt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's got him punched again. Yeah. <laughs> he should have just left it at the one punch. But, you know, but some people need the last word. <laughs> I'm immediately following that. And I wonder if she was just watching Shinji get his ass kicked. But Ray pops up <laughs> um, yeah. and informs her that there's emergency. Um, but I don't know if it's worth noting or not, or if I'm just being too nitpicky. But she tells him that there's emergency one before any alarm goes off, um, which makes me wonder, how does she know? And I wonder if, say, if someone called her, why didn't Shinji get a call that's an excellent point so i guess Uh, my my point here is how do you think that she know knew by practical means or by something that's unexplained it's it's hard to say um there from the beginning she's been a very cryptic character and I've always thought, and just based on, you know, the, the the shots that she's in, it seems like she knows more than we're giving her credit for. And Shinji seems to inherently know more about her than he's letting on. Um, so I think she's just been in the program a long enough time and maybe has some sort of sense with her Ava or sense in the air that something may be happening um, because of her training or, or whatever. Or maybe, you know, Shinji just didn't make the list because frankly <laughs> you know he didn't really like, don't call him he's busy getting his ass yeah he's like he's like b team 
<laughs> Even though Ray is all banged up, she's the one that has the most quote unquote flight experience. Even so, Nerf doesn't want to call his phone. <laughs> right, right, right. Like he's just he's like deep, deep bench. So I don't know. I, I it, it, those are just theories. Uh, but I, I yeah, I, I think either she's she's just higher up on the list, ranks higher than him, or it's possible that because of her training and because she's been doing this longer, maybe there's some sort of inherent feeling that she has that there's like eminent danger. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, maybe. Uh, after that, we get a quick shot of an angel as it flies towards the city. Um, and the city gets put on lockdown and the buildings start retracting into the ground, um, which makes me wonder, you know, what the hell is that like? <laughs> like you're just sitting at your desk job and all of a sudden the, the ground starts going above you outside. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, siren alarms start going off. Voices come over the loudspeaker telling you to evacuate. And there's this giant tick-looking thing that's coming from the sky. <laughs> you try to leave the building and you just, like, fall a few hundred feet to your death. because <laughs> it's Yeah. <laughs> and nowhere to go like and and uh, no warning just this is this is your warning <laughs> yeah like i guess you know wherever you get stuck you're stuck there you better hope that you know this doesn't last long yeah the the shots too just to kind of mention the shots of the everything locking down and and those like still frame shots of all that stuff it's really cool artwork like even any still frame of any of those is pretty neat if, if yeah the geo front in general is just a super cool design all around. Yeah, the the it's it it really is. It's very interesting to look at. I mean, some of some of the scenes are long and, you know, drawn out, but like I said, it, some of them really have a lot of detail and a lot of investment in them and and uh, because they they spend a lot of time in certain shots, I think uh it's kind of cool just to mention that you know, the detail and stuff in some of the art. Yeah, so we we see the angel. Um, it looks like a flying worm thing. Uh, it's it has like these look a little eye looking things on the top of its head, but it, they almost look fake. Like you know, you'd see like on a bug or something. Yeah, I almost lo- thought it initially looked like a tick, like looking at you like straight on. <laughs> I don't know, like some sort of weird bug. And it has these weird little. You know, curly crawly legs underneath it, uh, yes. and we're on the screen on the Nerf screen. It's uh, it's labeled as the fourth angel, um, which we can infer that um, you know the angel before this one, Satchel, uh, would be the third angel, and it also tells us that they're being numbered for some reason or counted. Correct. So, so the name of this angel, which this is angel number four, even though this is the second angel that we've seen, uh, Sam Shell is his name. Uh, it is is from a Hebrew origin, um, and it's it's yeah, it's very creepy <laughs> in the beginning to see this guy. But uh, his name means lonely conqueror of God. Ooh, that's, that's pretty its, intense. Yes, that's its Hebrew uh, translation. It's the angel of the morning is is what it symbolizes. So that's kind of the angel backstory on angel number four. Shamshell, a.k.a. weird looking vagina worm thing. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a lot of like 
phallic symbolism here. Like, and, and different, and it's weird, like, as we go through in different shots, it looks a little different, but we'll get to it. <laughs> it's definitely there. I definitely thought of the first time I saw it, I was like, yep. what am I looking at here? <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, so where are we here? So, yeah, so everybody's, like, holed up, right? In, yeah, in quarantine the shelter. <laughs> Uh, and Kensuke and uh, Kensuke wants to leave. He wants to go outside and get uh, a look. Yeah, glasses. Glasses seems to me like he's a very, you know, one of those like techie kind of kids and like reporter type kids. It's always filming something and asking questions. Like he seems like that kind of kid. Like you know, wanting to be involved in everything, wanting to know the backstory. Like you see him when Shinji's talking about being the pilot in the classroom. Like he's like checking his facts and stuff so he's he seems to be like he's the fat guy fact yeah <laughs> yeah very you get that little nerdy like you know he's he had his toy uh airplane thing and right. you know, he's taking notes when shinji was talking about the ava um he always carries this like little camcorder around mm-hmm. so yeah he's just like a he's, he's cool he's got he's a individualistic yeah and I, I will call out too that <laughs> uh, back, like if this was made in the '90s, that camcorder would have been a whole lot bigger. So they're they're flash forwarding to 12, what 15 years in the future from them, and he's got this little hand recorder. So they were sort of right about that. I mean, now it's our phones, but they definitely got smaller those camcorders. Yeah. Um, so they're sending Shinji up to attack. Um, we get this little scene of him in the entry plug and he says that you know his father isn't there so why is he even fighting mm-hmm. so clearly get the idea that he's doing all of this for his father's approval yep or seems that way which is yeah. sad it is incredibly sad but i think it's it's something that you know a lot of people struggle with that, especially somebody who's been abandoned by a parent, you know, and, and you think, well, maybe if I do this, they'll be in more involved or want to be, you know, around. And maybe that's Shinji's thought, you know, that the only reason he's doing this is to get some recognition from a father he's never gotten recognition from before. So it's really sad that, that that's his only motivation because that should never be your only motivation for anything. Yeah, I mean he's I mean without that it seems like he he doesn't really have anything. I mean he he came to Nerf in the first place with the expectation that his father wanted to see him. Right. Him. And right. that wasn't the case at all. <laughs> no. It's almost the exact opposite of that. Um but so Kensuke and Toji they do go up and they get look at the battle going on uh you know shinji emerges in the eva um he just like unleashes this the entire clip of his rifle at shamshell and just creates this huge smoke cloud where you can't see anything because he's i mean that's all he's been doing in the training is just going over the same thing over and over again without any sort of actual attack right i was just gonna say like it's just basically a repetitive shoot 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 instead of like a tactical maneuvering type training so he's doing everything they told him to do but it's having no effect yeah i mean it's it's not like he's he's almost doing it like it's a video game 
Right, right. Mm -hmm. Like a a level in a video game that he's played over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A, B, A, B, up, down, up, down. (laughs) Yeah. Center in the target, press trigger. Um, And as a result, he, you know, he gets whipped by these weird, long, pink laser whip things that the angel protrudes out of itself. Yeah, was it Spider? It was a Spider-Man movie where it didn't, it was... uh... (laughs) Mickey Rourke didn't wasn't he the electric guy and he like Tony Stark is at the racetrack and he has like the same things coming out of his hands but I think oh, yeah, not yeah. Spider-Man it was Iron Man Iron yeah Man. Whiplash I think right 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 mm-hmm. that's very whiplash like as far as I know I don't think Shamshell is Russian but <laughs> <laughs> well you don't know we don't know it's, anything is possible um so he gets wrecked again Shinji um, and he falls onto the like neighboring mountainside basically after Shamshell whips through like dozens of buildings yeah I was gonna say and again I mean let's go back it, that's gonna cause some damage like you, the people are getting hurt here if, if not yep. just property damage <laughs> I mean come on Shinji use your head here right um, his power cord, or umbilical cord, gets cut, so he has five minutes of power left. You know, so now he's got a timed game level mission, and that just really puts the pressure on. Yeah, they they had mentioned this, I think, previously in the episode, which is something I picked up on too. That, that and during one of the trainings, they mentioned it. Like, if he gets unplugged, he's only got five minutes of life left, and then everything basically just shuts down, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's yeah. like different stages that he can run the Ava at and like the like average one once the cord's cut he has like five minutes but I think there are other ones where the time can be less or even longer depending if you like cut down on like available uh what's the word like like your weaponry and stuff yeah, like your abilities. If you cut down on them, you can extend the time. Mm-hmm. Got it. Um, so he falls in the mountain, and his hand goes right next to Kensuke and Toji, um, and he notices them, and suddenly he's in quite the pickle. Mm-hmm. Quite the pickle. What do uh, we do? What do we do? And Misato, you know, being the boss ass bitch that she is, is like put him in the cockpit. Yep. <laughs> yep. Like not even a not even a question either. Like not just save him. Like because the way that most adults in in these situations have been, uh, uh, you know, so far is that you know they just think of these kids as whatever you know and here's just two kids that were just happen to be roaming around that don't really have any importance to this and her initial reaction is save them you know and and uh, nobody else pipes up she's the only one that says it so do they want to do that or is this something that is only uh, miss m's idea (laughs) uh well it's my understanding that one it it doesn't make sense to do it would compromise shinji's ability to carry out his mission uh, additionally, I mean, I don't imagine that Nerf really cares about the lives of two students. I mean, they, they clearly, don't. yeah, in the last battle, clearly, probably, you can assume that people died and people got hurt. And, you know, they just covered it up. So why couldn't they do the same here? But Misato has compassion. And I wonder if it's mm-hmm. 
strictly because she knows how the death of them could affect Shinji's state of mind. Uh, yeah, I think that's a factor. I also think that she just has general empathy for people that the rest of the people in this organization seem to be lacking. And maybe that's because of something in her past. Maybe that's because of, you know, uh, some other external factor. But she seems to take the lives of these kids very seriously when everybody else seems to look at them as, you know, very throwaway. Um so, yeah, I, I think uh, and like I said, she says it without a thought, without a second thought. And like the the we had talked about that. It's the LDL, right? LCL. LCL, um, you know, the the liquid. And, and if they're all like that's what's sustaining Shinji. But if you introduce other people into that and like we talked about his sink levels and anything like I'm thinking, well, if you add two more people in that, is that going to be enough? You know, like, is it yeah. like a. <clears throat> like up in space like is there enough oxygen for all the people that are in there like so that's what you think of it like but her her she doesn't think about any of that her first thing is just save these kids and i and it could be yeah she's like but shinji finally found friends and now all of a sudden they're dead yeah <laughs> you know but i think i think it's just showing her empathy and her investment in 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 Shinji and 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 this project and 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 that she cares about these people and and whether they were friends with Shinji or not I, I just think because she says just save them just get them in there it's just her natural reaction yeah i mean and you know as we see at the end of the episode it it works but yeah it's definitely a out of box or yeah, thinking outside of the box sort of situation, um, and obviously, I mean, his ability to effectively pilot the Ava is dependent on his ability to get the highest sync rate with it, and then introducing two more people is not going to help with that. Right, and and we're only furthering the the. Um contentious relationship between Miss M and Lab Coat, you know, because Miss M's like, we're doing it. I don't care what you say. And she's like, you're overstepping. Like, you're 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 out of line here. And she's like, I'm doing it anyway. Like, I don't care. Yeah. She's like, do you and know so, who I am? Right, right, right. I'm Misato fucking Katsuraki. <laughs> That's right. You see this purple hair, bitch? You better respect. <laughs> but after they get in, Shinji's able to like whip the angel back and he had been holding the whips with his hands and it corroded the armor and we see this shot of the ava's hands and Mm. they look very human like i made a note with asterisks around it saying human hand (laughs) Mm -hmm. because it was very clear that it was it was like i mean it, it in the regular form of the ava it just looks like a gloved hand, but this had like distinct like nail beds and like a tone of skin. So it was definitely human like mm-hmm, or definitely. made to look human like it definitely looked human. Um, and then Misato, you know, commands Shinji to retreat and Shinji says, nope, <laughs> no, thank you. And he has this like dead look in his face again hello so for those of you listening we just had a minor technical difficulty so we're having to start back up where we were so if we cover something that we just went over i apologize but i believe we were at the point where misato 
command Shinji to retreat, and Shinji says no. <laughs> That's that is correct. That is where we left. That is where we left off before the technical difficulty. I apologize, folks. Uh, yeah. And so here we are with the rebel calling the rebel out. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he it's such a different side of him than we'd seen. I mean, with the training course thing he was doing, and even just a few moments ago, he had that same, like, dead robotic look in his eyes. But then seemingly something's changed, and now he's just, like, bursting with raw emotion. Mm-hmm. Well, in the first attack, too, you saw the, the switch flip in him. Like, all of a sudden, he just raged out. Like, there's something in him that switches when it needs to. And, you know, is it is it the Ava's influence? Is it his a switch that flips in him? I don't know. No, no. And maybe it's the fact that, you know, his friends or classmates were in trouble, and now they're safe. And so now he is you know, has a defensive side to him and is yeah. retaliating. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he knows it's kind of bringing the fight home and like personal, you know, like before it was just like this abstract idea of humanity that he's protecting. And now he sees two actual faces of people other than the people he's seen, you know, and again, calling out the fact that this is like the first time that we've seen a school or any other like social group besides just nerve. So um, I think that's, that's an interesting point. Like he, yeah, now, now it's the, the, the fights at his front door. So yeah. there's going to be a lot of emotion there. Yeah. And you know, the timer's taken um, he goes apeshit. <laughs> he gets he gets impaled by both of the tentacle whip things. Um, you know, he takes his his knife and he stabs the the core, screaming. Mm-hmm. Um, Misato looks on, you know, very disapprovingly, obviously. But you know, it works. You know, he kills it right before the timer goes out. Mm-hmm. And like gets and and something that struck me was he knew exactly where to hit it like and, and it was you know one of those like sus- suspenseful things like is he gonna make it before the time runs out <laughs> find out next week <laughs> yeah right <laughs> um but yeah like and and you're right like the the clock is ticking and what's gonna happen and um it, yeah I he, I think it, I think when pushed to his absolute limit Shinji delivers but he has to be pushed to that limit like and and I think that's what we're seeing we're seeing him being challenged. And like how he's reacting and it takes him a while to assess these situations before he reacts. Um, but when he does, it's like he just explodes. Yeah, I think it's, you know, in this moment, he was motivated by something other than his father's approval. Mm-hmm. And that's what got him to really deliver. Mm hmm. Um, I agree. And I think he's, he's starting to take on a little bit more of Miss M's person like that, you know, take charge type of personality. And she she was the one that said to him, you know, just you can do this. You can do this. And so maybe he's starting to believe that. Maybe. But uh, needless to say, I'm sure he's going to get, you know, quite the talking to afterwards. Well, I mean, <laughs> he did disobey an order. You don't disobey an order. Yeah. A director. After, you know, he kills it, Shinji is like sobbing in the seat and Toji and Kensuke are looking on and they just look 
like petrified and just like taken aback. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things too I wanted to mention that is really kind of cool. Like, there's one scene at the like after the battle where it's like a sunset in the background and you see the Ava and it's killing the angel and it's such a cool still shot. It could be like a movie poster. It's really cool. I just it wanted to point cool. that out. I, I I and because they stay on it for kind of a significant amount of time. So, but it just it it was just a really cool like a silhouette shot. Not a lot of color in it, but it's it's really cool. Again, getting back to these like still detail art pieces from it i think is really cool to mention yeah i mean especially with the last angel which you know exploded and this one we have like it's just there intact right right yep um so after that we get we go back to the school um we get this quick little clip of the screen kensuke or aka glasses his laptop screen and it looks like a old (laughs) like 3d model of the angel Mm mm-hmm um, but that's like, and then you just like move past it. But you know that further ingrains that he's, you know, he's that the little nerdy type. Yeah, he's like the reporter of the group, like getting to the bottom of everything. Like, and it's constantly you see him in the background, just like looking like he's working on his computer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get Toji, who's talking about how um, it's been three days since Shinji has been there, and Kensuke doesn't even like know what he's talking about at first that he doesn't know that he's not there like like toji's like it's been three days and kenzie's like what since the riot act or something like that and he's like no since shinji's been here ah um so clearly you know seeing firsthand the experiences and what goes on in the eva with shinji has changed Toji's perspective on things. Oh, totally. Totally. I think when they saw him break down in that, that like you could, they stayed on tracksuit's face for a long time. Like just as if to say like, you know, he, he sees the emotion in this kid. It's not, you know, and he told him, he's like, listen, I didn't, this, I didn't choose this. And I think seeing him break down like that kind of solidified it for him and all the kind of the rage he had for him previously. I think he's starting to kind of, you know, empathize with them a little bit more. Yeah. And so, you know, Ken's kids like, you know, reach, you can reach out to him, you know, gives him his number. Uh, and it's, we get this nice shot from like outside the room that Toji's in, but it's raining and he dials Shinji's number and then he just puts the phone back on and doesn't call. Hmm. What do we make of that? I don't know. Do you think it's his do you think he just wouldn't know what to say like he has these emotions that he wants to convey to him because he feels bad but he doesn't know how to articulate them in the right way so he just doesn't try at all I think that's exactly it I think and I think there's also a part of him probably too that feels like in some way he'd be like disrespecting his sister or you know downplaying her injury if he had sympathy for the person who put her there you know like that's got to be conflicting for him he sees this kid and he feels sorry for what he's going through but at the same time that kid was the one that injured his sister so yeah he wants to reconcile it but can he knowing what he did 
did to someone that's very close to him and, and someone that clearly he, you know, is supporting because his his family isn't able to do so. So I'm sure that that's part of it. Like or maybe maybe he wanted to call and, you know, scream at him since he couldn't punch him again. Maybe, <laughs> you know, who knows? But I, I think it was more of a of a, I just don't know what to say to this guy yet because I just don't know what to make of it kind of situation. I don't know, but that's what we end on is him putting the phone back on the hanger. So what is going to happen? See, again, hallmark of any good show, you just cut at the when you least expect it. And you're like, I got to see tomorrow's episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, and everyone else can stay tuned for our next episode, which we'll be releasing next Friday, where we'll cover episode four, um, where the titles are Rain After Running Away and Hedgehog's Dilemma. Ooh, which we had have discussed already. So that's something to definitely keep in mind. And if you have any comments or questions or information for us, again, you can email us at fullimpactpodcast at gmail.com. Um, and I think it's, we do have new episodes dropping every Friday. And I think it gives you a good, you know, week to kind of think about what you've seen, maybe watch it a couple times. Again, like I said, maybe take a couple still shots throughout the episode and let let us know, you know, if you have a favorite shot from any of the previous three that we've watched. We'd we'd love to hear your take on that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. They could definitely think through everything that happened. Let it simmer. See how see how it smells, how it feels. <laughs> um, and drop us, you know, a like, a review, a rating, a follow, whatever it is on the app that you're listening on. Let or- us know. Better yet, tell a friend or tell a few friends uh, about us and about the show and how much fun we're having and how in-depth we're getting. And, uh, yeah, like Nick said, leave us reviews. Follow us on Spotify, iTunes. Watching party together, you know, obviously, you know, like me, Google Watch or something. I think they have that. Zoom party. (laughs) Zoom party. Like, oh, yeah, I can't, can't go out tonight. I've got a yeah, Genesis Evangelion watching party to go to. And your friends will be like, what's that? And you'll say, well, why don't you come and join me and find out? Yeah. Boom. Life changed. Right. Well, that's what you have to look forward to next week. So until next time. Until next week.